On tonight's episode of Death Metal Dicks, we'd like to issue a very special warning. Yeah, it's not special. We'd like to issue a very serious warning. If you have any emotional feelings brought up by rape, sexual assault, or abusive relationships, we do not recommend this episode to you, the listener. Because? We're talking about that. <laughs> tonight on Death Metal Dicks! It's a bad one. It's a real bad one. So uh, I'm not trying to be a smartass at all. I understand that those things could be fuck your whole year up. Oh, yeah. So if you do have serious shit, an issue with rape, abusive relationships, sexual assault, just uh, skip this one. Because a lot of the terrible crimes we talk about all the time, you know, serial killers rape and do terrible shit. This one is just hyper-focused on sexual shit. Yeah. And an extremely toxic relationship. And so, uh, we're, we're talking about some fucking hosers. You know what I mean? We're going up north there. There's strange brewland up there in the old Canucks, eh? All right, go ahead and bust you out a couple of brews and some jellies. And we're going to go on over to Tim Hortons there and just uh, check out the case tonight where we're talking about the uh, Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to play a whole mocha. Yeah, that's it. It's a, yeah, come up past the hockey game there. My team didn't win. I got the blues and I started playing the whole mocha. <laughs> Do the old whole mocha polka. Uh, they're often known as the Ken and Barbie killer. The uh, murders are called the schoolgirl murders. A lot of times they're. It's a rough one. Uh, every type of northern accent I get going there, eh, is always the sh- greater Chicago land area. There. <laughs> <laughs> Can't uh, differentiate between my northern providences, eh, because it is think if you think about it, you know, you. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. Try to go up more north. Man, uh, an episode we got to do soon. Um, shout out to my friend Drew was telling me he was watching Crocodile Dundee and he tried to Google some facts about it. Did you know that there was a real Crocodile Dundee? Uh-huh. Did you know that as wild as a Crocodile Dundee saga is, it pales in comparison to the actual Crocodile Dundee? No, I had no clue. Dude, he was a meth head. Hell yeah. Made meth and like the a big time outlaw. Like hung out with the Aborigines at a time that most Australians hated him. And was just on the run for the law. He did all types of ill shit. We got to do an episode about it. Because okay. he was telling me about this guy's lifestyle and type of ill shit. Did he, he feed did meth the dude, He did wild shit. Well, what brought it up was Meth Snake, our old friend ah. from Australia. Remember, there was that biker who got all fucked off and decided that a cool thing to do was to get a fucking six foot long boa constrictor addicted to methamphetamine. Yeah, that's tight. Yeah, it's as cool as it gets. Nothing is... There's no two words that go together better than fucking meth snake. Meth snake, yeah. (laughs) But that's off subject, which is not what we want to be. The... Because there's two... Probably in the scope of things, um, besides Robert Picton, Canada's most well-known serial killer. These are probably actually more well-known because this is some lifetime network... Dateline NBC, made for TV type of shit for sure. Uh, the the couple in America are the most known unknowns because in Canada they're very famous. And I just wanted to make three six mafia reference there for you. And they killed at least four, 
and raped at least 13 in a quest for pa- Paul to become Patrick Bateman because he was obsessed with the Brett Easton Ellis novel, American Psycho. That was oh. his shit. He would go on to quote that as his Bible, which is, you know, that guy made that book to make fun of. It's a girl that wrote that book. No, it's Brett Easton Ellis, you dumb fuck. A woman wrote that book. Brett Easton Ellis. I got you, but you're wrong. Promise. Brett? I own a copy of it. It's a woman. She So, so no, he has his own pie. There's a Brett Easton. Why am I arguing with you? Why do I always talking about American Psycho, right? Yeah, you yes. fucking idiot. A woman wrote that book. You're the stupidest person I've ever... Why do you want to argue all the time? Are you going to suck me off whenever you're wrong? Yes. Oh, God. Thank you. <laughs> it's on... Are you going to suck me off when you're wrong? Type it... The author. It's a woman. It was written by Brett Easton Ellis, you stupid fuck. Now suck my wing. Ah, you didn't make that bet. I said if you lost, you had to suck me and off. And I you said didn't. if you win, you had to suck me off. It's on audio forever. For everyone to hear for all time. You lose. Okay. You're dumb as fuck. Why did you say a woman wrote that anyway? Because I wanted to suck your dick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. My balls are gone. <laughs> they right. backed up for the winter. It doesn't control the load. <laughs> you know what I hate about... Uh, yeah, you're right. You know what I hate? It's actually much lumpier now. You know what I <laughs> fucking hate about... Uh, like mashed taters? The weather right now. It's spooky season. Welcome to it. Uh, we just apologize for our fucked up schedule again. Especially if you're watching on YouTube right now. It's been three weeks... And, uh, you know, we're just stringing her along there. Um, we got off on that American Psycho tangent, unfortunately. But we're back in the flesh. Sounded better. Last week we sounded like butt because we are on the our fucking shitbox way of recording it at my house. Put your phone down, you fruit. I'm doing stuff. No, you're not. We're doing... This is already a bad podcast. Oh, that's great. <laughs> we already come to some conclusions. We already ruined it. Shit. <laughs> Yeah, but hey, welcome back, guys. This is a wild ride. Paul Bernardo, he was born August 27th, 1964. He's still alive. He's 54 currently. He is from Scarborough. Scarborough? Uh-huh. I assume it because it's uh, Scar and then Borough. Scarborough. Yeah, I think Marlborough. That, but that's how you say it. It's not like Scarborough. It's Scarborough. Okay. Someone, some fucking Canadian out there right now is like, fucking Scarborough, eh? Yeah. Fucking Scarborough. Fucking blast Anvil wearing a hockey mask. Yeah, Anvil's Canadian. Yeah, they're a cool band. They got some. They got some rippers. They got a hilarious documentary. Oh man, that shit is hilarious. I love it when they pull that tour manager guy into the back room. <clears throat> he's getting ready to kick his fucking yeah, ass. Yeah, but he don't. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> hey, 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 you gonna give me porridge? Remember, he gives him like some fucking goulash. He's like, yeah. oh yeah, this is my payment. <laughs> <laughs> that goulash, man. Welcome to now. You're stepping into the goulash zone. But yeah, he's from Ontario, Canada. Uh, fucked up childhood, which is how these things often start. But a lot of times they're not out in the open like this. He gave a pretty detailed description. I mean, he's still alive. You never know how much of anything is true from some people because they're trying to get off like <clears throat> pleading insanity type of thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You're just like, hey, my childhood was fucked up, but their parents are dead or whatever. There's no yeah. corroborative evidence. His mom corroborated the whole thing. Uh, his dad was charged with child molestation for fondling, and that's the charge. I'm not being an asshole. Yeah. For fondling a young girl in 1975, which was when he was 11 years old, which is like pretty, like, to have an 11 year old. He had two kids, a daughter, too, which he sexually abused. He didn't do it to Paul. So, you know, what that does is it 
like if you're on your dad's side and you hear this shit, but you're on your dad's team, it really drives a wedge between you and everyone else because yeah. he's telling you he didn't you, that he didn't do it, and you have a good relationship with your dad. Like you guys are tight. He, or you he, think so? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the case the guy's a manipulative, terrible human. Yeah. But that you're who he's manipulating. You know, yeah. he's like trying to keep the veil over your eyes. He doesn't want you to think that he's doing that. And usually people that are that type of person are so good at lying to cover their tracks as like a molester that is able to continuously do it that, you know, it's often hard to break out and and figure out that it's going on. Yeah. You know, most of you, you know, more than me. So if I speak out of turn, tell me because, you know, Buddy works with... What would like, uh, troubled un- youth, un- waiting un- foster care, yeah. you know, just all kinds of shit. Yeah, so you see like all the terrible shit that comes through yeah. with kids. But <clears throat> I assume that if you're like a child mm. and something terrible has been happening to you from a young age, it's not something that you would even get the feeling to want to say anything about. Mm. It's probably like normalized in a way to you between you and the one person. Because I'm sure that he t- would like the mo- abuser would tell you, yeah. like, don't speak on this yeah it's our secret type of shit yeah so you know once it comes out in it's, the in public yeah. like that the son has probably ch- chose to be blind to it you know what yeah. i mean so that tainted i mean obviously that would rip any family apart but especially slanted like that so once his mom found out and then uh, paul was on that side mom pulled away from the entire family and what's fucked up is that the daughter stayed in the house they all stayed in the same house. The mom stopped being with the family at all and went to just the basement. That's it. She moved out, but to the basement. Mm. So she had nothing to do with any of the family, but was just downstairs, which is, which is super weird. So what is it like? Mom? Like, no, 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 it's not me. No, no, nobody, no mom here. Just, uh, this is just here. old fucking Sheila from down the street, eh? Just uh, coming down to this extra other part of the house that's a different house here. She's eh? like spray paints her face. So like, it's a demon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's me, Nicodemus, the demon. I'm down here. Ah. <laughs> boogity, boogity, boogity. <laughs> fucked up. Ankle grabbing. Yeah, that's a fucked up childhood. It's as really as bad as you could think about one being. You yeah. know what I mean? And he said by the age of 15... And this all happened when he was 11. So four years from that point, he was already fantasizing deeply when he masturbated about murdering women. Mm. He had three girlfriends up to this point and beat all three of them, oh, which shit. is at 15. I never had a fucking girlfriend at that point. Yeah. Like, you know, he's not, a good looking dude, though. Like, that's the thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. where, I mean, you know, it probably goes without saying because we told you that a lot of people call it the Ken and Barbie doll, doll murders, but... Uh, that's what they look like. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, the reason why it was so shocking when all this came out is because they were, to the outside perception, successful, run-of-the-mill, super attractive young people. When you, know, when you think of what a serial killer would look like, in your head pops an image of Richard Ramirez, who's like a handsome person but looks fucking bananas. Uh, Charles Manson again when he was young I'm sure that women, Ted Bundy uh, Ted Bundy yeah prime but, example but <clears throat> once you know what they've done and you see their face there's like a certain look to them yeah. that you connotate with being a serial killer yeah cold and calculating yeah just but looking it, ready to just... but and that's true like you can uh, I, I mean I feel like even as as handsome as Ted Bundy was if you saw him like a picture of him, and he, you never knew that he killed anyone. There's something about him. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. got there's like a there's like a certain 
They, these these people don't have that. It's the eyes, man. Yeah, right. That right, right. There's just that like piercing, huge pupiled, blank but piercing. There's just something to say about like crazy eyes. Like yeah. and I don't just mean like got one hanging and one you know <laughs> yeah one hanging. You know you got I'm a saying? hanger. You got that one it, eye that's like man, it, I'm just hanging out on the couch at it, today. If you look at somebody in their in their eyes and there's something off, man, trust that instant because usually you're right. I don't know what it is. But yeah, a lot of mentally ill people. Something are, you, that you rarely see. I'm sure you see it a lot. I see it a lot. But uh, but yeah, you know it when you see it. You know, it's just like a wild fucking like. Oh, this guy's uh, yeah. He you know his brain's not attached to these balls. <laughs> They're doing their own thing. Yeah. <laughs> And you're not part of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just gone. Uh, but the, anyway, these two people do not have that look. Even the most attractive others are like, probably with the, you know, Ted Bunny's probably the most handsome. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't look like, like these people are way better looking than Ted Bundy. They're yeah. like model type look. And yeah. they don't have that crazy look to him at all. No. Some people were just blown the fuck away when they found out about this shit. Um, so yeah, that's a young age to be thinking about shit like that. When he turns 16... He spoke with his mother for the first time in years, and she wanted to tell him that he was the product of an extramarital affair, which, <clears throat> you know, again, he had chosen his dad. Like, he, yeah. he believed his dad. He was on his dad's team. He thought that the accusations that his sister made were just wrapped up in the fact that his dad, this case was being pinned against his dad. His dad was successful. That had money. Mm-hmm. The family was rich. It's yeah. not like... Uh, they came from nothing, but, you know, the shit, like, for sure happened. It was like an open and shut case. He basically admitted to it in court and was just like, oh, I was trying to catch a plea deal type of shit. And in Canada, you know, it's much more lenient prison sentences than it is here. So it's not yeah. like the dude went to prison or anything. And then he just did the whole, oh, woe is me type of move that a sex offender would normally do. Yeah. Like, tries to blame everyone else, say that it wasn't them, it was a conspiracy against them, against somebody, so the daughter... You know, he he had to decide, like, well, she's probably lying, too. So that's the side that he took. So when his mom told him, he started, like, slut-shaming his mom, like, calling her a whore and a slut and just fucking, yeah. like, believe that she had sex with someone else, but there was no way that he wasn't his dad's son. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he could have turned and decided to celebrate that he wasn't fucking related to this. Which is some real uh, borderline personality disorder shit. Yeah, he and he did, uh, I mean, we'll talk about the mentals of it yeah. <clears throat> during his trial. He did pop for, I mean, he's like Canada's most textbook, like, I mean, when I say, well, textbook example, not the cliche term, I mean, he's used in textbooks as the example of what a psychopath is. Yeah. Like, just the way that he feels about things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, you know, growing up around that, he, uh, he learned how to be charming, like project away from what was going on inside of his mind. And he had all these dark thoughts in his head and he had a dark home life, but in public, like all the parents loved him. All the teachers loved him. Coaches loved him. Everyone thought that he was, must have a great life at home because he was such a great kid. Yeah. Like he was bright, bubbly, nice to everybody. Remember people's names, like remember parents' names the first time he met him. So everyone adored him. They thought he was the best fucking kid. And uh, that would continue on through his adult life. Um, he enrolled in the University of Toronto, Scarborough in 1982. So went straight to college after school. Again, came for money. So no problem. Uh, took a job with Amway which is multi-level marketing, old school. Yeah. It was like, you know what multi-level marketing is? Mm-hmm. 
pyramid schemes. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, basically, like, let's say I lost, like, 80 pounds doing some weird fucking cleanse. Most of the time, the people that are selling it did not lose any weight at all. They're fat as shit. Yeah. And they're like, hey, I'm feeling healthy and doing great. I got more energy than ever. I've been working out hard. You want to know what my secret is, buddy? Mm-hmm. Man, I've been on this shit that's got me feeling so good. And you can get on it, too. Now, the thing about it is, is you got to do an entire lifestyle change. You understand what I'm saying? How many times do you try to lose weight before, buddy? What? Yeah, and it's never worked out, right? Because, no. see, what you'd probably do is you go on, like, a diet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you try to, like, cut out carbohydrates or, like, mm-hmm. you know, buy certain things or maybe just do, like, all peanut butter. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just you can't ever stick to it, right? Because no, you got to do a whole lifestyle change. You got to make a commitment to it's something. A lifestyle change. And what I got, you know, I got this this fucking Virve shit, man. And what what you do is they 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 make you get a drink in the morning, uh-huh. a drink in the afternoon. You get a couple of meal replacement packets, and you just coast through that. And what you got to do is make a commitment to it. Now you got to put your finances in it because that way, if it's an up and down lifestyle, you won't deviate from the plan and eat any other food. So what I'm going to do now, see, I, I'm going to put you underneath me. I'm going to be in charge of our team, right? Mm-hmm. And because I already signed up for this shit, so I'm going to get this product in, and I'm going to give you a discount if you can get another two of your friends to join up and sign up for this. So you're going to sign a two-year contract, and then you're going to give me $1,300 a month to be in this plan. Now, that sounds like a lot of money, but don't worry about the money part. Think about losing 100 fucking pounds a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're going to be in shape in no time. But I heard about this other thing, that if I do the same thing, they'll buy me a car. Uh, you know, I'll get you a car if you start. So here's the thing. is a beautiful thing. Is I'm driving this BMW outside right now. The company paid for it. The company huh? fucking paid yeah. for that shit straight up. Now, I'm going to end up losing that shit in like a month. But right now, shit is sweet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's take a picture with it and hashtag some shit. Yeah. But you get the point. It's like you're not, you're not directly selling a product. No. You're selling a subscription. And to make that subscription cheaper... And the best scenario for you is that whoever you're selling it to would sell it to their friends. So you basically make an entire company based around someone else's products and no one ever makes money, but you keep feeling like you're going to make money. Yeah. And he gets wrapped up in that whole thing and he likes the idea behind it. So he starts reading motivational books, listening to motivational speaker tapes like that Tony Robbins goofy type of shit, uh, which is psychopath shit. You know, he gets stoked about selling shit. He tries to get into more companies to sell things. And that's what he's going to school for, his business sales. Yeah. Um, he got get rich quick, all the shit that was. And that this is, you know, the 1980s is the time period where it's yeah. booming. This is like a new business. People haven't heard of it before. He's trying. He's actually making a little bit of money at Amway. Uh, he spent, he, they're sending him to see motivational speakers. And then he gets into pickup artist books, oh. which is the type of person, if they ever tell you that they're into something like that, you got to stay as far the fuck away from them as you mm. can. And this is like where I always have a problem. Not always, but a lot of the people that are into Joe Rogan type of shit. Yeah. It's like that motivational speaker fucking like watching. I mean, now you can watch like online videos for free, but all this shit where you would just listen to somebody talk about how cool their life is because they're rich as fuck to get you revved up used to cost like tons of money. Like it all just used to be a like even getting the tapes from like Anthony Robbins would be like a multi-level marketing scheme. Like you would want to get your friends interested to subscribe to him to save money. 
on the tapes and shit. And it's just like, you hear, all you got to do is just believe in positivity. Now, when your day is bad, when you're just getting shit on, when everything seems negative, it's only in your head. Now, did you actually break your dick? Yes, but look at it this way. If you think about the dick that you could have in the future, your dick ain't actually broken in the future. Am I right? Because you're thinking about that new dick that you're going to have one day when dick rebuilding technology comes along. And you done broke your dick, and I understand that, but think about a brand new working ass dick and then you'll get to that point it's a plateau see if in your mind you block out that broken dick energy and you think about brand new power dick energy you're gonna break through that barrier and have a new dick in no time now you can't just sit around with a broke dick thinking about having a broke dick and get anywhere can you no, no you're gonna feel sorry about yourself I mean, your dick's already broke yeah. Have you ever almost broken your dick before? Uh, yeah, dude. That guy, it's popped real loud. Yeah, one time man. That's blood. scary. Yeah, it's got a yeah. fucking like a wave in it. <laughs> Still. Yeah, man. You got a yeah. wave? <laughs> you got areas of it. It's like a waterbed. <laughs> Making me do my macabre Bob laugh. <laughs> oh, Macabre. Well, macabre Bobby. It's Halloween time. It's time to tell. We, we got a sponsor today. <laughs> Look, at you got to. Hey, kids, you want to get the most candy? I know it's getting close to Halloween time. Do you want to get bite-sized black licorices and Mary Janes and potato taffy? Or you want to get the good full-size Snicker bars and whatchamacallits? If you want to get the good candy, you got to have a good costume. You need to come on down to this town's only costume store. You need to come on down and see... Macabre. Now here at Bob's Horror Emporium, Spook Shack, we don't take cash payments. Now you want to come on down and dress you up like Scooby-Doo. If you go to Walmart and get that, you're going to look like shit. It's a nylon turd. You come on down to the right place, Macabre Bob's, and we got the whole get up for you. You can get your basic Scooby-Doo or the upgrade with realistic fur. Now the basic Scooby-Doo, all you got to do is one easy payment of sucking Macabre Bob's tits. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to get... If you suck both those tits, <laughs> you'll get a cool 30% off at Macabre Bob's. If you want to get the upgraded costume with realistic fur, all you got to do is suck Macabre Bob's tits and then let Macabre Bob scrape all his dandruff onto your head. <laughs> Macabre Bob, the Scooby-Doo costume looks great, but why is my son covered in dandruff? <laughs> Go to each checkout register, <laughs> and there may be a lucky winner who will meet Parmesan John. <laughs> my friend Parmesan John is a guy that scrapes the dandruff off of my head onto the kids directly. <laughs> That's me, Macabre Bob. He's using like a horse brush. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he just scrapes it with real long fingernails. Oh, crap. <laughs> so he's got, and then the, he's got cocaine nails with his dandruff. Yeah, if you really want to fucking get the best deal on the house, you got to fucking let him scrape underneath this. You know, <laughs> you know, have your fingernails get a little bit too long and you like use your thumbnail to scrape out from underneath them. But, like, you know, if you scrape underneath one of your nails uh-huh. to get the stuff out with another one of your nails, it just transfers the stuff into yeah, your yeah. nail. Oh, okay, so you got to let Parmesan John take his really long fingernails <laughs> that he's been scratching Macabre Bob's head with for a week and tra- <laughs> transfer all 14 nails into one nail. And because it's like a hash. It's like oh, a crap. thick, it's like a thick dandruff. It's like a pencil shaving, man. <laughs> it's like a thick dandruff resin. You got to pull that out and fucking chew on it. <laughs> You can get anything you want. In the like chow, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you shut it in the corner. Yeah, yeah. Parmesan like John Chew. You just leave it in there. 
um, for a couple days and you get all the costumes that you need for Halloween season. That's the promotion we're bringing to you on Death Metal Dicks. That's our sponsor, Macabre Bob. www.macabrebob.fuck you. Yeah. Uh. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this was, he was an out and out salesman. Uh, and then he, fell, he found. Uh, he just like was living a wild life. Um, he fucking started reading. Uh, he had at this point, he like uh, American Psychopath wasn't out yet, yep. but he was in. He, you know, he read like a Clockwork Orange. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was just into anything that he could read, which is a weird. Like it's the eighties. You can yeah. watch. There's plenty of horror movies. So out. there's like French shit. There's like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer is yeah. out. I mean, he's just reading books about rape. Is what turns him on. That's weird. Yeah, and he's a good looking guy. He's fucking everybody in college, and he, you know, of course, discovers right away that the more pain he can inflict on women is what he likes. Yeah. I mean, it's not, but you know, that's that, that can be semi normal. Like a sadomasochist could be the most regular person. I mean, I'm trying to shit on someone's kink. I I deal with it a lot, man. I mean, it's, it's so weird because it's like, once you, I mean, because of the field I work in, you can almost figure it out immediately just because it's like you've done, you've worked with enough of those people. You can kind of read through the lies and they're great about, they'll stick with it. They'll believe their own bullshit. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's really what a bullshit artist is. Is somebody that got, like, they believe it so much that you'll believe it. Right. And the next thing you know, right. you are in a shitty situation. And you know, it's a great salesman, too. Like, yeah. if you're involved, uh, he ends up becoming an accountant when he gets out of school, when you're making a lot of money right away because he sells himself well. We talk about this a lot when we do serial killers. Is like, if you're a psychopath, uh, you can not only be a great serial killer. But it works out in the real world, too, because you don't care. You don't have empathy. You don't think about anything but yourself getting ahead and getting what you want. So there's no, there's nothing in your way of rising to the top. Like, there's no lie you won't tell. There's no person you won't fuck over. I mean, it's like, I've been in a position before where I could get promoted, but I had a friend that had worked at the same place for longer that deserved it more than me, and I, like, would directly just have to shit on them to get it. It's like... They're like, well, it's either you or him. Can you think of a reason why we shouldn't promote him? And they like want you to be like, yeah, he, I'm better than him. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, why? That's a fucked up way. To, but anyway, you can definitely be the king of that system if you choose to live like that, you know. And uh, then you know that's always temporary. That never is like a long term play. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if you're this type of person, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you're just going. You're going down in flames regardless. Um, you know, he's the he. It's the Hurting women consensually stops being enough. And everything's got to ramp up, you know? No, like, you never find anyone that's not just all the way delusional that will get into doing horrific crimes. Because the thing is, is like a psychopath knows the difference between right and wrong. Yeah. It's just that uh, it doesn't, you know, if I know, and what I mean by that is like, I know this is legal, I know this is illegal. Like, I know that torturing somebody is against the law but I don't think it should be yeah you know what I mean like I know if I get caught I'm fucked and I don't want to be in jail um, so instead of not doing it I'm only, I'm what I'm gonna do is figure out how to do it without without getting caught to yeah. start with I'm not gonna go in cold yeah. I'm not just gonna hop into it and see what happens yeah. I'm gonna be calculated mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm gonna use my particular way of thinking to skirt the law before I go into it and I'm going to figure out how to do it. So, you know, he starts doing rape scenarios where he 
has consensual partners, but he is like surprising them and, you know, literally raping them, but it's someone that he's been with before. You know what I mean? Like, let's say that we've been dating for two weeks and uh, I found out what time you get home from work and shit. And I just pop up out of the bushes and grab you and rape you. But then, I mean, that's a terrible thing to do. I'm not trying to say this is a good thing to do. I'm trying to explain how his mind worked as a psychopath. Uh, And I do that to you. And then I just like laugh it off. Like, oh, I just want to surprise you with this. And, she, you know, she's like, well, that's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I mean, you just raped me. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, we're, it's cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? What the fuck? That was like his practice runs. And then yeah. he ramped up into full-blown rape. Uh, he started stalking first. So what he would do is is not find a particular woman, but he would wait at bus stops and just find who he found the most attractive mm-hmm. and then start following the bus. Yeah. And so, like, like maybe take the bus behind them or t- or if you, like, use the subway or take a taxi, not get on the bus to start with, but, you know, call a cab, have the cab follow the bus, see where they get off and then get off like a block away and follow them. You know, and so he started doing that to learn how to follow people without getting caught. Ramp up number two. Yeah. And so he finally combines all that. May 4th, 1987, uh, he rapes a 21-year-old Scarborough woman in front of her parents' house after following her home on the bus. Hmm. Ten days later, which is uh, we talked about this a lot with serial killers, is like a lot of times you'll go in sprees. They have ramp-up periods. Or you'll go through sprees and, and do a lot of ill shit in a short time period and then feel either one, like you had enough of it <clears throat> for the time being, or two, your conscience tells you, or your common sense tells you, like, hey, you don't want to get caught, slow the fuck down. Or your conscience says, like, man, what the fuck are you doing? You have a brief moment of clarity. And you like, that's the wrong thing to do. I got to stop now. Uh, but then just 10 days later, you raped a 19-year-old woman in the backyard of her parents' house after following her home. July 17th, 1987, which is just two months after that, uh, he followed a woman home, grabbed her, got in a fight with her, was beating her up. But she didn't stop fighting. He couldn't like rape her, and she was making a lot of noise, so he just took the fuck off. And that was these are these are all through reported. How old was she? Uh, nineteen. 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 He's not a big guy. No. Uh, he works out. He's in shape, but he's not like Diesel, you know. Yeah. Like you know, uh, doing sit ups, push ups, that shit. Um. Then in 1987, he meets Carla Homolka. Homolka. Mm-hmm. It's like polka. Mm-hmm. You know what I love there is a nice uh, Canadian winter, eh? And when they uh, put, you know, what's that fucking uh, thing there, eh, where they uh, squeeze her and it makes that noise there, eh? It's like an instrument. It's not like a guitar, but it's like a thing you squeeze there. Accordion. That's the one, eh? Okay. And then I love it when you do a polka. Yeah. So I like Carla Homolka. Uh She was born May 4th, 1970. Her parents were Daryl. And Carol, mm-hmm. you don't look. If your name rhymes with the person that you're having sex with, you shouldn't be having sex with them. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's a cat in the hat book. <laughs> yeah, Daryl and Carol got Merle's and they had, were eternally eloped to the Pope. <laughs> nope. In the butt. Suck it until you make a big rope. <laughs> uh, they lived what? in... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, roping. When you bust a rope, you never heard that before? A rope of Twizzlers? You never heard of cum called a rope? No. 
Um, you know that guy that's like dropping fucking loads. Yeah. You know, he's like, I'm going to make a big fucking rope. <laughs> Man, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I had never heard that uh, shit. shit. Man, my neck hurts so bad. I can't. I got pulled my neck listening audience and I can't look to the side. I got to do a full body turn. And every time buddy talks, I keep trying to look over there. It fucking hurts bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so your fucking it's funny. Eyes. <laughs> yeah. I'm just got to like, I got to like periphia. Got to use the old perifs there. So if you're not watching on YouTube, you should, because it's pretty funny, I would say. I'm guessing. Yeah, I've seen it a couple times. Uh, I, I got it like, yeah, yeah. Give you me the like old some, side eye. You're old fucking, you got boulder shoulders, man, because it's so tense. I mean, it's like you're, you're working out and you've already got them, but it's like way more. because you. Well, I have to like put my head down and then like, you know, your peripheral vision isn't great. So I can see out of the corner of my eyes. But if I like hunch my head down and then like look up and over, it's way better. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. Oh, crap. I, I got like my head is blending into my body. That's how you turn into Slimer when you die. Yeah. You just become one thing. Fuck. I never understood that in Ghostbusters. Did I talk about this already? Because I've been thinking about it a lot. Uh-huh. Like there's people that are ghosts. Like, uh-huh. in, you know, in Ghostbusters in the first one, like they find Slimer and they're in this place where they're, it's, it's like a haunted ballroom and all those people are ballroom dancing. Uh-huh. They're human beings. They died and they're just people when they died. Uh-huh. There's like hundreds of ghosts right there. Yeah. And the fucking painting, the, what's it, Vitor, Vigo? Vigo. Yeah. He's a person? Everyone's a person, but Slimer. Why? What happened? How come he's that? Slimer was like a, a maybe it was like a different species before our no, time, and he died. He's a fucking fat guy that died. They talk about it. He just was like a fat fuck that died. He just slim. He's the guy that <laughs> fucking. green slime, dude. He fucking started Sabaros. <laughs> <laughs> Sabaros founder John Slimer passes away today in 85. He turned into a bottle of fucking slime when he went. Slime is the just R.I.P. Fucking slime is Crap. Yeah, so he met Carla. Um, she was born to Daryl and Carol. She was well off as well. Rich family. She had three sisters and her, or three siblings. Two sisters and her. Uh, she went great student, athletic. Played all the sports, was a cheerleader. Uh, she loved animals, so instead of going right to college, she became a vet tech after high school. Normal, making good money, living a happy life. Mm-hmm. Uh, 17 years old, right out of high school, she goes to a pet convention in Toronto. Again, she's working at a vet clinic. She meets a 23-year-old Paul mm-hmm. at a bar. You know, And in Canada, you, know, you can go to bars. They think the legal drinking age is 18. Yeah. It might have been less in the fucking 80s. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they meet. They go to fuck the first night. Boned. Smooth. That's gross to me. It's 23 and 17. But That's to some people, they don't care. Obviously, this guy doesn't give a shit about anything sexually. Uh, and, you know, they had rough sex. And he, she was like anyone that he had sex with because she liked it. She was also a sadomasochist, which mm-hmm. I don't know how often you pair up with someone into the exact same shit as you. But I guess it would be yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, he, they, you know, formed an instant relationship where they were talking all the time. You know, you can't text in, so they're calling each other on the phone. Um, he became the master, so he would call her and tell her shit yeah. to do. She would do it, mail him underwear, weird shit, like mail him tampons, like do shit, take pictures and send it to him, send him videotapes, yeah. whatever he wanted. And they ended up, you know, they, they only lived like an hour away anyway, so they were linking up all the time. Um, <clears throat> you know, meanwhile, he hasn't committed... Any more rapes, you know, since he met her and started dating, which was in, uh, 
now we're getting to December. So Mm -hmm. he tells her like, you know, in a way that if I was like, buddy, man, you should be raping these girls. Yeah. And you would be like, for real? And I'd be like, well, yeah, man, here's what I've been doing. And so if you really were pissed off with it, I'd be like, I'm just fucking around. Yeah. Joking. (laughs) She was not mad. She was into it. She got hot. You'd be reported. In fact, yeah. I'm just saying, she got hot. DHS be knocking on your door, dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good, good. Uh, but she got fucking hot about it. They were into it. And she, in fact, encouraged him to do more. She wanted yeah. him to go rape other women mm. and tell her about it. Now, what I wonder, and, 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 you know, it's just me wanting to think about the best of people, is that she did not... As a 17-year-old, even though she's into this rough shit, she didn't think that he was actually doing it. And that he had been saying terrible shit to her and, like, trying to, like, you know, threaten her with murder, threaten her with rape, but not actually doing that. Just, like, spankings and cuttings and tying up and shit. And, uh, but talking dirty to her in a way worse way. You know what I mean? Um, She probably just thought that it was that. Like, like, dirty talk. I think... I hope. I don't know. And then got in too deep because kids are impressionable. Like to me, yeah. a seventeen-year-old is a fucking kid. Even a twenty-three-year-old is like you know quasi kid. Yeah. And if you're young and listening, I don't mean that in a shitty way. I just mean when I was twenty-three, you could talk me into doing some dumb shit. If you oh, were, if you sure. if you were like my friend, like listening to <clears throat> hardcore, then there was a lot of older people around yeah. that could easily influence me to do dumbass shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're your own person. Well, your brain don't fully develop until you're 25. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And it, it, it takes a long time to become your own person and think for yourself. I mean, life's weird and complicated. The weird thing, well, it's not weird. The thing that makes sense, you know, if if I'm making a profile, you know, if I'm like an FBI dude or whatever, yeah. you notice how like he rapes a 21-year-old and then it goes down to two 19-year-olds and yeah. now he's in a relationship with a 17-year-old. Yeah. And then... uh I'm, all I can think is like that the rape that his father committed really, or the molestation his father committed really had an impression on his life. And, yeah, for sure. You know, for sure. So I, I, it's, it's, it's really weird how your brain works, you know, it's like, there's no, I mean, I'm sure his dad was beating the shit out of him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We talk about this a lot too, just because it is, I mean, the nature of what we usually talk about serial murders violent crimes um, and a lot of things that come from what's essentially a fetish. Yeah. This shit develops at such a young age, you know, things that aren't even necessarily sexual that happen to you manifest themselves as a sexual nature later on. Like you develop these things as you're hitting puberty. Yes. You you develop these things at like a, an astonishingly young age. You would think like Max Horny for me was like, I mean, probably now, but like like figuring shit out, you mm. know, and I'm like thirteen, fourteen. But yeah. my brain had already been put into certain patterns yeah. when I was like nine and ten. Yeah. You know? So there's nothing you can really do to sway what people are gonna be attracted to. No. Um and I'm sure being from a very fucked up scenario set this kid down. Well, I mean, doesn't excuse anything he did, but it's like you could see where, you know, certain things he probably had certain mental traits, and then yeah. certain things happened to him. I mean, I, you you know, genetics are at play, yeah, and then you know, influences at play, yeah, cause and effect. You know, it's easy to figure it out. I think 
Well, you know, we we've discussed it before. People aren't. I don't think people are born evil. So, I mean, you know, yeah. it's it, it happens. It's like yeah. something you go through. The thing with our interest with serial killers, I think from day one is like that's not necessarily the deeds they committed. It's like why they committed them. So you're like trying to break down the way their mind works, as opposed to being like, wow, that's real fucked up. That guy did this, and it's like, well, no, he, he did this because of this. There's a pattern here. Uh, the age of the women that he was raping and it's going down gradual. And then he dates a 17 year old girl who's into, you know, just real rough shit, you know, and what happened to her, you know, in her childhood Yeah, for her to be that way. Well, actually nothing. This is what's super weird about it. That's why I'm, that's, that's basically what I'm getting at. You make a good point to bring it back around into that. Um, she had the perfect life. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like there was some type of rebellion against that, which is what happens a lot. Not that makes like a permanent sick person, but like it's like the Norwegian black metal scene. Yeah. When you got shit too good, yeah. when things are too perfect, you have to make up something to be mad about. Yeah. You have to make a reason to be the way like you, your hormones are going crazy. Mm-hmm. You feel anger, but you have no idea why. And you yeah. can't pinpoint a source for it. So you basically make your own problem. Yeah. Uh, and then when he was talking to her like this, uh, you know, she just kind of got sent down that path. I mean, it'll come into play legally at a point here, but I, I honestly feel mentally just, it doesn't excuse what you're going to hear about her behavior was, but it does le- like we start to understand why. Um, so anyway, his next rape is September 29th, 1987. And uh, you'll hear a bit of jumping ahead here. So excuse us. So again, we're just doing one episode, so we're not going to spoil the next one. Anyway, um, September 29th, 1987. He attempted to rape a 15-year-old girl. Bernardo broke into her house in Scarborough, entered her bedroom. He jumped on her back, put her hands over her mouth, threatened her with a knife. He punched her in the side of the face, bit her ear when she wouldn't go down, and then he had to run off when the victim's mother entered the room and screamed. Paul was only 19 at the time of the crime. Wait, no, that's the fucking timeline. This shit's fucked up. All fucked off. Uh, <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. I, when I write shit and uh-huh. I have to go back and read it, sometimes I fuck up. Okay. So Paul was, is already dating her. He's 23. At the time of the crime, a kid named Anthony Hanamare was 19. He was convicted of the sexual assault in 1989. He knew the girl uh, vaguely, and they thought that's who it was. The girl never saw him. Only the mom saw him. Yeah. And so she was traumatized. And in the lineup, they picked this kid out. He served a 16-month prison sentence. The entire thing that he got convicted of it was yeah. like fucked his whole life up he got exonerated far too late in 2006 when bernardo admitted to that crime wow which that's jumping ahead but not really affecting what we're talking about at all yeah. just insane a crazy detail it's like psychopath shit and doesn't you affect so many lives it doesn't ever matter to you he probably well, thought no, that he, was funny he probably thought well oh well, i keep doing it because i got away with it you yep. know next one would happen December 16th, 1987, when he would successfully rape a 15-year-old girl. Uh, the metro, the very next day, the Metropolitan Toronto Police issued a warning to women in Scarborough that were traveling alone at night, especially those riding buses, because this is becoming a pattern. Five days later, December 23rd, 1987, he raped a 17-year-old girl with a knife, the same knife that he used to threaten all of his victims. Like he fucked her with it? No, I threatened her with it. Oh, okay, okay. I wouldn't have said You said it. raped her with a knife. I was like, man. Oh, well, he did rape her. He used the knife to threaten his victims. Okay, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that is when he took on the moniker from police Scarborough Rapist. Huh. 
Okay. I mean, it's a. I mean, now we're one, two, three, four, five. This is his sixth rape. April eighteenth. Yes. That again, probably because of it being in the news, it took some time off. Didn't happen for yeah. a while. April eighteenth. The next year, nineteen eighty eight. Bernardo attacked the seventeen year old girl. Did not rape her. Threatened her with a knife and beat her up. Uh, May twenty fifth, nineteen eighty eight. He almost got caught by a metro police officer stalking a bus shelter. The investigator noticed him hiding under a tree. It didn't see him, but saw a man under a tree and ran after him and said, like, hey, stop, before he got close enough to do something. Yeah. Uh, Bernardo took off and escaped. May 30th, five days later, he committed the rape of an 18-year-old woman in Muskega, Ontario, which is about 40 kilometers, so 25 miles southwest of Scarborough. So now he's traveling to get out and do it. And it was five days later when he thought that it was too hot for him to be in that area. Yeah. October 4th, 1988, he attempted rape in Scarborough. Uh, the victim he attempted to rape fought him off. This time, he got more violent because he actually stabbed her once in the right thigh and butt cheek, which required 12 stitches to get patched up. So it's not a huge yeah. knife. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, November 16th, 1988, he raped an 18-year-old woman in the backyard of her parents' house, followed her on the bus. November 17th, the very next day, is when Metro Police formed a task force to try to capture the Scarborough rapist. December 27th, two days after Christmas, 1988, he attempted rape with a neighbor who thought she recognized him, said his name, chased him off. Police didn't even look into it. Wow. Yep. June 20th, 1989, so a lot of time has passed here again. Ramp up, do a lot shortly, something happens, turns the switch off, gives it some rest time. Attempted rape. A uh, young woman fought, screamed, and the neighbors came out and, and asked if everything was all right. He had scratches all over his face, but he got the fuck out of there. Then he laid low for a couple more months, I assume, while like the wounds healed up at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, he raped a 22-year-old woman, went older this time, uh, probably because it's not working out great for him. Yeah. Uh, he stalked the girl the previous night, which is just shows more intent, more you know, like planning of the crimes. Uh, he stared at her through the window outside of her apartment, figured out her pattern, and then came back the next day, waiting for her to arrive home. November 21st, 1989, he raped a 15-year-old girl. Uh, Bernard saw her at a bus shelter, followed her, raped her. December 22nd, he raped a 19-year-old woman that he found... And then we get into more fucked up territory, which I got to fucking switch papers over to because I had like all those. I don't know why I'm telling why I'm switching notes. No one can see what I'm doing. It's the magic of podcasting. Yeah. So one of the qualms that Paul had with uh, Carla one of the things that they that they again she was much younger than him so like if i let's say me and you you're my yeah. girlfriend mm-hmm. we're in, we're both 30 years old and yeah. i found i was like you ever fucked another guy before you're yeah like, yeah i'd be like yeah. well what the fuck yeah i wanted to take your virginity well like you know i couldn't <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean uh but uh if you said that to like a like if anyway there's no like 17 year olds aren't virgin that's like fairy tale bible shit uh, and he was like mad that he didn't get to take her virginity, basically. So that was a always a point of contention. He would bring she, it up she all the time. Should have just kept her hymen in a jar, and he could have ate it and kept it. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, but, you know, what's weird is, like, her family loved him. Yeah. Which I can never see. Like, I got a daughter. I couldn't ever see her being, like, 17 and dating someone in their 20s and me being cool with it. But one thing is, is that he was a successful accountant. Yeah. Like, he was making good money. So He's I He's good at manipulating people. All, that, too. So, like, they like him a lot. He's coming around, hanging out. Uh, he told them he was an accountant. He was lived in a different town, but wanted to hang out with her. So they, he's like quasi living with her and her family. And again, her parents are well off. And I guess that they're like a party family. You know what I mean? Like I, I never, like I grew up with my grandparents. So obviously I didn't have any of this, but I've got several friends whose parents would just like let everyone party with them. Like yeah, if it was like weird. Thanksgiving, I mean, I don't mean like have like a raging party. But, like, I didn't drink. I was listening to fucking Earth Crisis and shit and thought yeah. I was too cool to do that. But if it was, like, a holiday, uh, you you could invite two friends over and they would let you sip a couple of eggnog. Like, they wouldn't monitor you. Yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? It was no, just we like, didn't do that, man. I, I, mean, I know you didn't do that. You grew up with your fucking grandparents, too. That's what I'm saying. But yeah. I had friends like that. Well, I had friends that, like, their parents would have ragers, man. They, yeah. they would, like, let the kids be like, hey, man, we're going to have a fucking... You know, be like, hey, I really want to have this party tonight. And then they'll be like, all right, cool. Invite everybody over. Dude, it would be like 50 cars outside. <laughs> it was nuts, man. Yeah, that's super. I mean, that's. And it was like dicey. a single dad. So you're like. Oh, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's going on there. Well, that's dicey enough as it is. But anyway, uh, he had been fired from his accountant job because he's basically li- like living this rape life. Like, you yeah. know, if you're this involved in it, you're not doing anything else. And what he was doing and making a lot of money at still was smuggling cigarettes from America into Canada. I guess people really liked it. I've, I assume that they had cigarettes in Canada. Yeah. I mean, how the fuck could they not? But I guess people liked it's like, uh, yeah, this is uh, Scarborough County. Well, it's Marlborough County now, bitch. Old Paul's got a fresh batch from down here. poison? Yeah, just fucking <laughs> slinging the, I guess, superior American cigarettes. Making tons of money off that. One weird thing about the family that everyone noticed is that he was super flirty with Tammy, who was Carla Homolka's 15-year-old sister. Just weird. Like, why the, you know what I mean? The guy's a creep, but his, like, Carla was cool with it. Uh, the, the parents didn't know this about Paul, but he would sneak into Tammy's room at night and jack off while she was sleeping. Hmm. Carla knew because she broke the windows in her room so he could sneak in and pull it. Damn. Just a fucked up relationship. In September of 1990, police submitted more than 130 suspect samples for DNA testing when they received two reports that the person they were seeking was Bernardo. Two. The first in June had been filed by a bank employee. The second was from Tina Simmons. Is that how you say it? It's like S-M-I-M-I-S. Smimmies? I don't know. Smimmies. Who cares? Tina Smimmies. She was the wife of one of three Smimmies brothers who were among Bernardo's closest friends. Smimmies told detective that Bernardo had been called in on a previous rape investigation once in December of 1987, which was what the neighbor called about. Yeah. Uh, he had never been interviewed. He frequently talked about his sex life to the Smimmies and said that he liked rough sex, anal sex, and anal angus, which uh, isn't weird at all. What is anal angus? Eating an ass. Oh, yeah, that's not weird. Yeah, I love it. I thought anal angus was when you fuck a cow. <laughs> what? Cause oh, because angus? Uh, angus beef. It's like conalingus, but anal angus. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a cool thing to call Does it. Does cunt come from cunt? <laughs> One would have to assume. <laughs> uh, 
but the thing was is that she came all, like she sounded like she was really mad about it. Yeah. So her phrasing was awkward and stilted. It left detectives uncertain whether to take her seriously. However, the cross-checking when they cross-checked several files, they decided to go ahead and interview Bernardo. November 20th, 1990, they interviewed Bernardo for 35 minutes. Bernardo voluntarily provided samples for forensic testing. When the detectives asked Bernardo why he thought he was being investigated for the rapes, he admitted that he resembled the composite, which is the sketch. Yeah. Uh, according to detectives, he was far more credible than Smear, Smear, whatever the fuck her name is, who, with her awkward, strange way of speaking, might just be trying to collect the reward. And Bernardo was released the next day. See, this has, like, always been the problem. Yeah. Is that you, like, you know, the, all the shit going, I like, you know, you know where we stand on politics. Don't give a fuck. Could care less yeah. about any of it. Uh, you know, that's, that's sad to say because a lot of it is attached to religion. No, I mean, present day, a lot of, like, what's going on politically is attached to sexual assaults, like yeah. terrible things. But the main focus that I can definitely get behind is, you know, believing women. Because it's shit like this. This is what happens. Yeah. This is just regular cops who have two people in front of them. So because of the way the woman was talking and how this guy, who's a fucking psychopath, he seemed more believable than her. Yeah. Well, she's emotionally distraught because she thinks she knows exactly who the guy is and police aren't listening to her. And he is smooth as fuck. Well, a lot of it is is uh, it's kind of a hunter mentality. Like they're able to, they're basically able to hunt. They're able to, then it's, it's like a deer hunter. You know where the deer are. You know what they do. Yeah, and you know where to go find them at. Yeah. But the thing is, is with like uh, most uh, people that are antisocial, antisocial, is that they don't have very much emotion. They do have anger. That's probably one of the the emotions that they feel the most because anger is a byproduct of sadness. So whenever it comes to childhood, it's sadness, but it turns into anger. But you're able to bypass that because you're talking to a normal motherfucker who sits in an office who every once in a while gets in a nice black cruiser and drives around and they have no idea how to read a profile of a serial killer or a, a serial rapist. And serial killers and serial rapists read people the best because they're not how to manipulate and that's yeah, the problem. Exactly. You know. But again, like, you know, this is what needs to be relearned in society. And uh, how I, you know, I, I hate to talk like just, just, what all I'm saying is don't equate what I'm saying to things going on politically because yeah. I, I don't even know the exacts and I don't fucking care. Yeah. However, like. You, we got to relearn when we hear certain things. Yeah. As a society, not us personally, yeah. but police, politicians, judges, everyone has got to figure out that, you know, could if you you could definitely lie about being raped for personal gain, yeah. but there's really no personal gain that could ever outweigh the trauma of even bringing it up. Yeah. Like the havoc that it causes on your life. To, why would you ever go through that trouble? You never well, would. Well, I mean, the reward money was like a thousand dollars. You're not going to go through yeah, the, yeah, this yeah, yeah. to get that. You know what I'm saying? Well, the thing too. I mean, like, I know you don't want to discuss present day shit, but that like Kavanaugh shit. It's like it's a clear uh, example of somebody higher up who's fucked everybody over to get to the position they're at, which is what sociopaths and serial killers do. 
And then something accusations get brought up and it's like, oh, well, how do you pick a side here? Because that's that's a politician. That's a business dude that's high up in like a big business or whatever. They're hard to believe because most people have that personality disorder. Yeah. And they have that sexual right. fantasy tied to that thing. Yes. You know? So it's weird. Yes, that makes sense. And again, that's not like us getting political. It's yeah, I like, don't even give a fuck. Yeah, it's I mean, we, we, I know we don't know the. We, neither, I, know, I don't know how much yeah. you've paid attention to, but I know you haven't. I have. It's not like. Have, it's just like. It's it's fucking absurd that like the like the Bill Cosby shit. It's that we've come to this point in society, but it is important for it to come out because we like just like this is the most serious topic that there could be. Yeah. Sexual assault destroy the people that they happen to from experience mentally will take most people's lives away from them forever. Anytime you stop somebody in the middle of their day to do the thing you want them to do without their permission is fucked up. Period. Yeah. Yeah, great way to put it. Period. Period. Great way to fucking put it. Uh, so, you know, this is going on. Uh, his last just rape was May 26, 1990. He raped a 19-year-old woman. And this is where they got the composite sketch from because her vivid recollection of the, atta- of the attacker enabled police to create a computer composite portrait, which was released about two days later by police. And it's the one that he had to admit that he looked like because it was him. But it's he's like a pretty... He's a good looking guy, but like the most white man looking white man there's ever been before. Yeah. Blonde hair, blue eyes, fucking five foot ten, like athletic, skinny build, just regular, you know? Uh, by. <clears throat> to me, like this shit is already terrible and bananas. And again, she's like into him doing this. He comes back and tells her the details of all these. This is what their sex life is based on. When he goes out and does it, he doesn't shower. He goes right to her and they have sex. Yeah, that's that is insane. It gets way worse because, again, the contention that they have that Paul has with her is that she wasn't a virgin when they met. So to rectify the situation during a family Christmas party, 1990, that was on the 23rd of December, Carla put sleeping pills that she stole from her veterinarian job into Tammy's rum and eggnog cocktail. Once she passed out, Carla soaked a rag in halothane, which is an anesthetic agent that she, again, stole from her vet clinic. It's like uh, they use it in veterinarian clinics mainly because it doesn't uh, – if you get put to sleep with this, you don't salivate. Yeah. So like a dog, uh, they don't sweat. Yeah. It comes out of their mouth. So if you give them something that's going to make them salivate more, you're going to, like, if you have to go in through their mouth or do anything. Without going into details, I stole some of that shit one time and huffed it, and uh, it does that. It drives Halothane? You, yeah, it drives you the fuck out, man. It's fucking weird. You huffed it? <laughs> yeah. Why have you huffed everything? <laughs> it does, baby. Man, it's, like a next, it's like next level cotton mouth, too, because, like... Cause you're, you know, you're high, and you're like, man, there's nothing I can do about this. I gotta sleep. Hey, man, my car's <laughs> fucked up. Can I borrow you for work tomorrow and ride you? You fucking huffy, <laughs> you goddamn ten speed mountain bike. <laughs> I never worked right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking huffy. Uh, Jesus Christ. Some horror strike glasses. This is in high school. So. <laughs> Wild wow, bitch. So, Carla, why are you dumb as fuck today? Yeah, Kids, man. don't huff. <laughs> uh, she soaked a rag in it, which is the wrong way to administer it. She basically tried to use it like uh, 
What's that shit Ace Ventura uses to make those football players pass out? Ether, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah like you soak a rag in that, and then you just put it over their mouth, and they pass out, and it's funny. Uh, <laughs> well, that, <laughs> that's what she's trying to do, but however, it's a way stronger fucking sedative. Now, the idea was that she wanted to give Tammy's virginity to Paul for Christmas. Mm-hmm. The parents fell asleep upstairs. They took Tammy to the basement where they took turns, not just Paul. They both, her little sister, they took turns raping Tammy in the family's basement and videotaping it all. That's what I'm saying. See, there's something that happened in her life. There had to have been. There had, you would want to think so, but it's never come up. I don't think. I it's mean, never, it's it was never, never come up. But you would but, use it in your defense. Yeah. You would make something up to use in your defense. I don't know if you would. That's like the classic move. That's the only way out, really. <laughs> to a degree, well, if you gotta think about it, she's young and she's also being controlled by somebody older. Yes, and so I don't. I mean, like if she's been fed all this shit and whatever, and it's like she's already had that thought process beforehand. But if she's if he is the master and he tells her not to talk about whatever happened to her in her childhood, she's not going to. Yeah, I mean that's just the way it is. You you're not born that way. I don't give a shit what anybody says. You're yeah. not born that way. Something yeah, happens I to that. you. Sure, you know. I back that. I back it. I back it. I back it. Uh, and I'm just trying to process, you know, I'm try- like, it's just, you never heard anything like this before. <laughs> no. Uh, Tammy, after they had both raped her for hours, began vomiting. So the couple dressed her, put her back in bed, called 911 after they hid all the evidence. Started doing laundry, started cleaning up. The paramedics noticed the couple vacuuming and doing laundry while they were trying to revive Tammy. Wow. Tammy also had chemical burns on her face. Mm. And despite these two things that would ring any bell, despite that he was brought in and questioned as a rapist because police heard that he was a violent rapist from somebody who was the sister of some of his best friends, his closest friends, uh, they just decided to say that Tammy got too drunk and choked to death on her vomit, which was a story that they told that they just put her in bed and that was the last time they saw her. She was too drunk. The parents believe the same thing, which, you know, you basically have to. It's like... Well, chemical either, burns is a big giveaway. Yes, but as a parent, this is your other child. Yeah. Like, are you going to believe that your child willingly raped we not even know about the rape like willingly had a hand in your other child's death yeah so you not only do you have to grieve the death of one of your three daughters you have to believe that another one of the three daughters murdered them well i don't i don't i wouldn't necessarily say that it's it's one of those things where it's like i got a question here how come she's got chemical burns she didn't go to sleep with that shit on yeah so yeah, how does she have chemical sure. burns, you know? I mean, you're going to have questions. I mean, I guess denial is a motherfucker. Exactly. That's, that's exactly it. Trauma right then and there. Yeah, Your yeah. fucking daughter just died. You're not thinking about anything else. And then when when the police are telling you that this is most likely how she died, the coroner says this is most likely how she died, just getting too drunk and choking on her vomit. Like, everyone says that. All the three stories line up. That's just what you're going to believe. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the couple moves out of the house. Um, Paul... And Carol get their own house in Port Dalhousie, I believe is how you say it. And that's where the real fucked up shit started happening. The reason that they moved out, too, is that they said they wanted to give them time to grieve. 
Hmm. Seems real weird too. And he's not like exactly living there. He's got his own place or he may have let it lapse and was like pretending. I don't fucking know, but they like, it wasn't like he officially lived there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, they had, they had become engaged. He asked, it's just some fucking, that's weird, man. Just weird, weird shit going on with this whole goddamn spooky ass thing. Um, so what, you know, basically they move in, uh, American psycho comes out January of 1991. He becomes fucking obsessed with that, which is, again, I'm sure when you've got borderline personality disorder, psychopath, it would be easy to read a work of fiction. Yeah. And what the fuck was that? Did we just hear a ghost? That was a demon. Did you hear that? It was like, ah, ah. Yeah, what the fuck? That was in the room for sure. I wonder if it came up on microphone because if you didn't hear that, you're gonna think we're on some weird shit right That's now. Probably like one of the kids that died. But it was just like an inf- like that was like a fucking like, what the hell <laughs> what was, that was that all about? That was fucking weird. like nothing happened. The Mark was sitting there recording. Yeah. He's got dogs, but they're big. That is not a dog. That was dog. Not- it was like words. It was like yes, yes. It's like how did you guys do that? Man? That was me. God, <laughs> what the fuck? That was weird, man. It was in the room. That was like here. Anyone in? What was out there? Dog and the cat. Dog uh, and the cat. Man, they just made like a weird series. <laughs> <of> <laughs> <little> <laughs> <cat> dog. <laughs> One fine day, with the wolf and the purr, came to a podcast called Goddamn Stir. <laughs> And then you pet it up, and then I was got a nice old purse cat dog. Cat dog. Well, anyway, just, yeah, let's sing a whimsical child's TV song <laughs> in the middle of rapes and murders. This old boy becomes fucking obsessed with American Psycho, which if you're, if, I assume you're familiar with it. If you're not, basically a guy that's a psychopath. It, it's like a commentary on yuppies. Yeah. It's a really, I mean, I like that book a lot. Great book. It's but book. the thing is, is it's fucked up. There's terrible murders and yeah. rapes, but the, it's graphic. But the entire idea is it's a piece that's supposed, that it's basically taking like the idea of this bit perfect, rich, uprising, yuppie businessman and making him do all these grisly murders and rapes and essentially saying that that's what capitalism is like. Like yeah. the, the idea like that, you have to be that type of person, and that's the world you live in. You're only doing that in the business world, and there's yeah. like little tie-ins even in the movie, like the, which is really what you're just doing outside of life because you're really killing people. Because a lot of fucking serial killers are business people because they're great at it. Yeah, it's the perfect place to be. They're at. Politicians or they're business people. Yes, because you're the same mindset. Yeah, the same fuck everyone else. I'm rising to the top. It's all me, baby. It it it's, it fits the, the world of markets. If it's the world of politics, it's perfect. Like, that's the right archetype. If you want to be a fucking president, if you feel the need to be the person that can save everybody and beat in charge, that's the type of person you are. Yeah. And the, and you only are doing that for personal gain. Like, nobody that's a fucking authority figure is altruistic. You know what I mean? No. You, you, there's got to be something fucking wrong with you to crave to be in power. Yeah. Like, I, there's a responsibility I would never want. I would never want to be the top of the food chain for oh, anything. Man. Like, I've been in charge of a, a fucking restaurant before. It's hell. And it's just a restaurant. Yeah. I mean, that's weird. It's weird. Anyway, because of that, he decides that he's got a greater purpose, which is murder. He basically, in his head, figures out that he is 
like the person that the novel's based on. Like what it is is it's a work meant to speak to him. Yeah. Official crazy business. You know what I mean? Like official I'm fucking gone business. Like you're receiving checks in the mail from a company of you're fucking out of here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Your brain's like here I was now that I'm getting paid by this corporation fucking Insanity Inc. (laughs) That's where I'm headed every day between the hours of seven and five. Here I am. I'm clocking in. I'm clocking out of this part of life and clocking in on this one. Uh, his first victim is Leslie Mahaffey. Early in the morning of June 15th, 1991, Bernardo detoured through Burlington, which is halfway between Toronto and St. Catharines, to steal license plates, and he found Leslie Mahaffey. Now, it's important to say that at this point, instead of being a great accountant, mm-hmm. he's just a great criminal. He's doing all types of grifts. He's uh, stealing cars, helping people that steal cars like get license plates and do... ID theft, credit card scams before there was like... Typical sociopath shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, no, no one matters but him, again. And so he's perfect at shit like this. Even probably, like, the, more successful at this financially short-term than he would be at a business job. Yeah. So, you know, he's on that grifting shit all the time. So he... <clears throat> where was I at? Uh, so he, the 14-year-old had Mr. Curfew after attending a friend's wake... And her parents, to teach her a lesson, locked her out of her house. Yeah, how many times? Have you, I've never been threatened with that. But I knew kids who were like, if I don't get home by 10 o'clock, they're going to lock me out. And I'll have nowhere to go. It's like, well, you can't stay with me because I'm living in a storage unit. So yeah. you're welcome. You know what I mean? Well, but now it's child abuse. Yeah, of course it is. But this is like 1990s Canada. Yeah, 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 you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like probably like if if the per you know, anyway, I, I don't want to speculate on a murder victim's parenting style. <laughs> Um, she's locked out. Bernardo got out of the car, approached Mahaffey, saying that he wanted to break into their neighbor's house. And she was unfazed and asked him if he had any cigarettes. So Bernardo led her to his car and then he blindfolded her, forced her in the car and drove her to Port Dalhousie. Dalhuis. I suck at fucking words, man. That's okay, man. I'm not cut out for other countries' words, even though it's just Canada. Mm-hmm. Then he informed Carla Homoka that he had a victim. They had a victim. Yeah. Now, they they don't even talk about, again, in the defense that they had pre-discussed. Like, again, when he brought shit like this up to her, did she think that it was hot talk, or was she actually greenlighting him to do shit like this? I'm going to go with green light. At this point, got to be, right? Because green he's light, like yeah. definitely doing the rapes, the shit with her sister. Yeah. Uh, Bernardo and Homolka videotaped themselves torturing and sexually abusing Mahaffey while they listened to Bob Marley and David Bowie. Now, two things I tell people all the time. Don't listen to Bob Marley. Don't listen to David Bowie. David Bowie, big time pedophile. Bob Marley, big time pedophile. Bob Marley's a pedophile? Man, fuck yeah. He fucked kids. Did he really? Absolutely. I didn't know. It's like regular know. Jamaica shit. me boy try the ganja feel good know what else feel good Bob Marley's 18 inch hog and 11 year old body he fucked an 11 year old I just realized I took that way too far I don't know it's speculation but yes uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I can't wait to be sued by the estate of Bob Marley. Oh yeah, man! They leave me out of it. Out in the street, <laughs> they call it 
Pedophilia! Boom, like a shah! <laughs> Welcome to Jamrock! Suck Big Bob Marley cock! I gotta stop now, because this is not... What's a, what's a, uh, what's a fucking uh, David Bowie sound like when he's a... Now, David Bowie, I can believe. Oh, I mean, that's a fact, like, for sure. 100%. I've looked up so much he and was tried, but like I can't find anything. 14-year-olds. But... Dude, he had a 15-year-old girlfriend. Like, in the open. No one gave a fuck. It was just art. <laughs> it's like... He had some, like, uh, I can't, you know, the most famous thing I can recount. I mean, this is, like, well-known shit, but the most famous thing I can recount is that there was some group of kids that, like, followed around that, like, Andy Warhol, David yeah, yeah, Bowie, yeah. like, that entire art community. They had, like, a name for that group of groupies. There was, like, a crew of them that was... But anyway, like, one of them was, like, living with David Bowie and, like, like his, it was his girlfriend and she was 15. He's, like, like giving her cocaine and shit. I mean, you know... But the dude was ske- as, as sketchy as it gets is David Bowie. He did, like... You know what? You know who did... 90% of the same shit, David Bowie and Hitler. They did like all the same shit except for, you know, the Holocaust shit. But other than that, which as is far as like the, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm I mean, kidding. allegedly, David, allegedly, I'm saying like, you know, David yeah. Bowie may have killed 6 million people. Who knows? The fact is <laughs> that, I mean, David Bowie was like trying to unlock the gates of hell. And shit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, fucking a kid will do that. He was trying to do it like that. What the hell? Piece of shit. Uh, at one point, and again, they're doing this music shit because of the way American Psycho was written. Because in American Psycho, Patrick Bateman loves music. He's an audiophile. He likes weird shit. He likes to explain the ins and outs of it to girls because he detaches himself from the situation by doing so. At one point... Bernardo said to Leslie, you're doing a good job, Leslie, a damn good job, adding, the next two hours are going to determine what I do to you. Right now, you're scoring perfect. And again, this is just rehashed American Psycho. This is what Patrick Bateman did. He's trying to become that. Well, I mean, definitely putting fear in him and just letting her go, hey, for, like, you you want this to be over soon, but hey, it's going to be two hours before yeah. it's over. And that's scary right. as fuck. Absolutely. And that's and so shitty. This is on, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, this is bad as it gets, and, and they videotaped the shit. So what's the worst is that the court got these fucking videotapes. They kept them, of course. Yeah. Uh, on another segment of tape played at Bernardo's trial, the assault escalated. Mahaffey cried out in pain and begged Bernardo to stop. In The Crown, which is like the court's description of the scene, he was sodomizing her while her hands were bound with twine. Mm. Mahaffey later told Bernardo that her blindfold seemed to be slipping, which signaled the possibility that she could identify her attackers if she lived. The following day, Bernardo claimed Homolka fed her a lethal dose of the halicon. Homolka claimed that Bernardo strangled her. They put Mahaffey's body in their basement, and the day after that, the Homolka family had dinner at their house. So again, they were able to perfectly put on their happy couple shit with a body in the basement. What the fuck? After the Homolkas and their remaining daughter, Lori, had left, Bernardo and Homolka decided the best way to dispose of the evidence would be to dismember Mahaffey and encase each part of her remains, each separate piece, and I'm talking her hands, her calves, her thighs, Encase it in concrete. Bernardo bought a dozen bags of cement at a hardware store the following day, kept the receipts, which were fucking ruined his ass at trial. Yeah. Of course. 
Bernardo uses grandfather's circular saw to dismember Mahaffey. Paul and Carla made a number of trips to dump the cement blocks into Lake Gibson, uh, which was 11 miles south where they lived in Port Dalhuis. At least one of the blocks weighed 90 kilograms, which is 200 fucking pounds, and was beyond their ability to sink. You know, concrete is fucking porous. Yeah. Uh, so we're, so they overthought it. Exactly. Yeah. Where a father and son were on a fishing expedition discovered it June 29th, 1991, just 14 days after the murder had occurred. Uh, Mahaffey's orthodontic appliance is how they identified her because the body was all cut up. Uh, you know, dental work is like a fingerprint. Yeah. If you've had it done, they can trace it back to a specific dentist and the specific dentist can look in their files and say, hey, here's what we did to this person that day, that age. It's pretty easy to figure out from there. Homolko, um, yeah, we'll do that shit later. Uh, so during after school, what the fuck, man? I fuck my notes up. I'm always fucking them up. Oh, so the next victim is uh, Kristen French. Sorry, guys. The, the professionalism of this podcast isn't as great as normal. But basically, if you listen to the last episode, you know my life's been a goddamn mess. My wife broke her leg. We got two kids. I'm not going to explain it for hours. But on top of that, my wife might lose her fucking right eye. So it's just been a shit-ass Fuck. week. Shit-ass week. And I'm trying. I'm trying. My yeah. best. So if there's some slips and bumps. I apologize. We're working on it. <laughs> We're working on it. Uh, next victim is Kristen French. <clears throat> During after-school hours of April 16th, 1992, Bernardo and Homolka drove through St. Catharines to look for potential victims. Students were still... This is a all-girls high school. Um, students were still going home. The streets were pretty much empty. And as they passed Holy Cross Secondary School, which was a Catholic high school in the city's north end, the couple spotted 15-year-old Kristen French walking briskly to her nearby home. They pulled into the parking lot of nearby Grace Lutheran Church and Homolka got out of the car, map in hand, pretending to need assistance. When French looked at the map with her, trying to explain to her where to go like a good fucking citizen. Again, teacher kids did not talk to anybody. Even if they're like an attractive female that seems just like you and a totally safe person, they're fucking not. Don't talk to anyone. Don't talk to nobody. Paul attacked her from behind, brandishing a knife and forcing her into the front seat of their car. From the back seat, Carol controlled the girl by pulling her hair. French took the same route home every day, taking about 15 minutes to get home and care for her dog. Soon after she would have normally arrived, her parents became convinced that she met with foul play and called police. Within 24 hours, the Niagara Regional Police Service had assembled a team, searched French's route, and found several witnesses who had seen the abduction from different locations, giving police a very clear picture. They found French's shoe, recovered that from the parking lot, and underscored the serious of the abduction. I mean, obviously, you don't just leave your one fucking shoe behind. The police no. knew that they, the abduction had happened. What's super fucking crazy about Canada is like they see a girl getting thrown into a car and they're like, eh, some foul play, eh? Uh, but what was it? The, the, the documentary uh, Bowling for Columbine? Yeah. Where fucking Michael Moore just goes to Canada and just starts opening <coughs> no, doors? No, that's fake as fuck. Is it? Yeah. Okay. That guy's full of shit. I mean, again, I don't care about politics, but that was like proven beyond a reason of a doubt that he had already talked to those people beforehand. Yeah. Like that whole thing was a fucking setup, which is okay. what sucks about politics. You can't fucking believe anybody. Well, like I remember like that came out when I was a teenager 
Okay, I don't remember. I know, I know. I'm not shitting on you. This is just like a good example of why I don't fuck with politics. Because like I watched that movie when I was a teenager. And it just had me thinking like, what the fuck? I've been lied to. Like, look at all this shit. Yeah, we shouldn't have guns and all this shit. And like, then, you know, I believe the entire thing. Because I had never been inundated with any politics before to speak of. Besides like, yeah, I'm fucking into punk. Of course, I'm fucking an anarchist and a fucking socialist. And like, hell yeah, man, let's fucking free everybody. Like watched that and was like, man, this government's more fucked up than I ever thought. And then found out it was just total bullshit. You know yeah. what I mean? Which, you know, like I know people, there are some people that are very staunch against guns. That's cool. I get that. Oh, no. I, I But that's what that documentary is about is what yeah. I'm saying. It's like. All I'm saying is you break in my house, you don't worry about a gun. You worry about the goddamn samurai sword that's fucking real goddamn sharp that I know how to use. Do and you know how to use it? I know it? how to use it. You know it, how to use it. Is that the one you try to? Never mind. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It, that one I would have. If I would have had that, it would have been done. <laughs> Where did you learn how to use a samurai sword? YouTube. Yep. <laughs> Man, God bless the fucking internet, and God, God bless Buddy Lloyd too. Uh, <laughs> Over the Easter, <laughs> so you know, this shit is Easter weekend, and over the weekend, uh, Bernardo and Carla videotape themselves torturing, raping, and sodomizing French, forcing her to drink large amounts of alcohol and submit to Paul. At his trial, the Crown Prosecutor Ray Houlihan said that Bernardo always intended to kill her because she was never blindfolded and could identify her captors. The following day. Paul and Carla murdered French before going to the homolkas for Easter dinner. Uh, Carla herself testified at her trial that Bernardo strangled French for seven minutes while she watched. <sighs> Bernardo said that Homolka beat French with a rubber mallet because she tried to escape. And French was strangled with a noose around her neck, which was secured to a hope chest. Homolka then went to fix her hair. You know, it's like. Some of the psychologicals involved in that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the way that they always, yeah, I hate it. Uh, I hate thinking about it. This is a like a hard, like, but more, you know, yeah, it's yeah. a hard one to talk about. It's not like I mean, I mean it's hard because you're not like cracking. We're not cracking very many jokes in this one because it's just like it's not funny. Man. There's nothing to yeah. be funny about right now. And I think that's fine. I mean, people get it. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of the reason why we do a true crime podcast is you know because you can expose shit like this. You just understand that there's a really shit element to people that you can't fathom. In a weird way, we're informing you on how to read people. Yes. You know, and it's like, we want you guys to be safe. Yes, don't be naive. Like, don't go don't go drinking at a bar and then just meet some random motherfucker and then go get in a car with them. Whether yeah. it's a woman or a man. Yeah, it doesn't having, having sex is great and shit, but like, you know, you get, yeah. in this fucking day and age, you gotta investigate a little there's, more. Yeah, because I mean, like, what makes people come is just it's it's different for everybody. And there's some wild shit going oh, on. I've week. had a girl pull a tarp out and say piss on me. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. Why am I only hearing about this now? Because I don't have to tell you everything. Yes, you do. <laughs> I know. I, I've shut like seriously, like on her bed, pulled, <laughs> straight up, like she's making her bed up, put a tarp on it, and asked me to piss. I'm like, man, what she look like? Not very good. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Crap. All right. Well, we don't want to body shame or kink shame or any shame. You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, French's nude body. I did it. Yeah, I know you did, man. You don't have to fill me on that. I was like, man, I felt weird. I'm going home. Nah. You liked it. 
Hell no, it was weird, man. <laughs> you didn't like it? She didn't get enough shower or nothing. So yeah. that's when I was like, I'm going home. So you, okay, so your ideal scenario would have been peeing and then her washing it off and then you boned. Yeah, because it's like, I don't want to fuck with my pee. You know? She definitely wanted to and you wouldn't do that? No, man. Because yeah. it's like, what if, like you kink shamed her. No, 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 because that's a surprise. You got to fucking get in there. That's a surprise. Gotta, what happens next? You get in there. You fuck on some tart. Yeah. What else do people do with tart? You rake some leaves on it, pull it down <laughs> the burn pile. Yeah, sure. Or you cut them up and put them on fucking tarp, and then you figure out. No one's going to murder you. Man, I'm just saying, I don't know, it was weird. That's not how you felt. You just didn't want to slop around in your piss. No, hell no. That's gross. <laughs> I know what I consume. <laughs> Man, you should have got in there. I'm, I'm upset. I wasn't in the right set of I thought more of so. you, buddy. You know what I mean? I thought you would give a lady what they like. You... you <laughs> yeah, it was weird. French's nude body... Uh, <laughs> not to break away from this fucking riveting shit, but French's nude body was found on April 30th, 1992 in a ditch in Burlington, about 45 minutes from St. Catharines and a short distance from the cemetery where Mahaffey is buried. She had been washed and her hair was cut off, although it was thought that French's hair was removed as a trophy. Homolka testified that it was to impede implication, which, you know, none of that makes sense to me. I assume it probably actually was a trophy and they were just covering for everything. Uh, Those are the two that they're going to for sure go down for. Uh, other victims and possible victims. Shortly after Tammy Homolka's funeral, her parents left town and visited her grandparents in Masuga, leaving the house empty. According to author of their book, Stephen Williams, during the weekend, what? I was going to take some of those uh, hangover pills. See what's up. Did you really have to interrupt the podcast? I didn't interrupt it. You fucking See, stopped. Okay, I just want to tell you two things. You're dumb. About you. You're dumb. Uh, you will pee on a woman but not fulfill her needs no and you for your gain will interrupt our podcast to take pills that supposedly cure a hangover i wasn't talking to you motherfucker but you were waving your motherfucking arm like you had a question in class what am i supposed i didn't look at you when i did it (laughs) you fucking farted too (laughs) yeah as always you're a plague you're the plague on my life yeah (laughs) uh anyway so during the weekend of January 12, 1991, Bernardo abducted a girl, took her to the house, raped her while Homolka watched, and dropped her off on a deserted road near Lake Gibson. Now, the police know about this because there was evidence of Bernardo and Homolka talking to about her, and they called her the January girl. At about 5.30 a.m. on April 6, 1991, Paul abducted a 14-year-old who was Warming up as a coxswain for a local rowing team. A coxswain? Yeah, no, I don't know anything about rowing, but if you have a team of people, you should never call anything the coxswain. The girl was distracted by a blonde woman who waved at her from her car, enabling Paul to drag her into shrubbery near the rowing club. He sexually assaulted her and forced her to remove clothes and wait five minutes, during which he disappeared. Derek Finkel's book about this. Which was Finkel's? Re- yeah. <laughs> you fucking finkled your pants. <laughs> you fucking paused and said, Finkel. I farted as I said Finkel. Einhorn is Finkel. Yeah, fucking Stinkel. 1997 book, No Claim to Mercy, presented evidence tying Paul Bernardo to the murder of Elizabeth Bain, who had disappeared on June 19th, 1990, which fits the time period. 
Um, that was three weeks after the last known attack of the Scarborough Rapers, so this would have been his first murder, but he never admitted to it. Uh, Bain told her mother that she was going to check the tennis schedule at the University of Toronto Scarborough, which is where he was going. Three days later, her car was found with a large blood stain on the back seat. Uh, Robert Baltovich, who consistently maintained his in- innocence, was convicted of second-degree murder in the death of his girlfriend, March 31st, 1992. At trial, his lawyer suggested he that the then unidentified Scarborough rapist was responsible for the crime. Baltovich served eight years of a life sentence before he was released pending appeal. In September 2004, his appeal was processed with the lawyers alleging that he'd been wrongly convicted and that Paul Bernardo was guilty of the murder. The Attorney General of Ontario pronounced that he would face a new trial. On April 22, 2008, before a series of pretrial motions, including the presentation of evidence implicating that Bernardo had committed Bain's murder, Crown Prosecutor Philip Kocktinen told the court that he would call no evidence and ask the jury to find Baltovich not guilty on second-degree murder. Which worked. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I mean, this guy is just ruining fucking lives. Um... I gotta stand up because I'm cramping up. March 29th, 1992, Bernardo stalked and videotaped two sisters from his car and followed them to their parents' house. The sisters incorrectly recorded his license plate number. One sister reported the distant the incident to NRP, which was the Niagara Road Police, on March 30 or whatever they are, March 31st, 1992, and received an incident number to report further information. <clears throat> with uh, God damn it, with French under Hamolka's guard on April 18th, 1992, Bernardo went out to buy dinner and rent a movie. He was spotted by one of the sisters. They saw him in the flesh who attempted to track him to his house. She lost him, but she got a better description of his license plate and car and reported them to police. Her information was, of course, mishandled by police they told judge archie campbell that it fell into a black hole cops yeah what you going what you going but what you going it goes do? back to that it's like they want to catch the bad guy fuck you they want to catch the bad guy but they also don't have the training to deal with serial killers yes they don't have the training to deal with fucking people that have mental health disorders right uh, and in 2008, when these people's appeals worked out, like the exoneration of Hannemeyer, like I was saying that he admitted to that, the first guy that we were talking about, Hannemeyer, who mm-hmm. had been convicted of raping this girl, this was in 2006, Bernardo confessed to at least 10 more sexual assaults dating back to March 1986, including the 1987 assault of the 15-year-old girl, which we talked about, and um, that was the Anthony Hannemeyer case. <clears throat> God damn it. Uh, so... <clears throat> when they got caught, the couple, Homolka and Bernardo, they were questioned by police several times in connection with the Scarborough rapist. Tammy Homolka's death and Bernardo's stalking of other women before the death of French, which is just like they had received so many reports about this guy creeping the fuck around. He's like unmistakable at this point. Like, why do you keep coming up? The officer filed the report and on May 12th, 1992, an NRP sergeant and constable briefly interviewed Bernardo. The officers decided that he was an unlikely suspect, although Paul Bernardo admitted that he had been questioned in connection with the Scarborough rape. If you're just a good-looking white guy in Canada, you're golden, 
But that's everybody. <laughs> that's like every person in Canada, good looking and white. Three days later, the Green Ribbon Task Force was created to investigate the murders of Mahaffey and French. Bernardo and Homolka had applied to have their names legally changed to Teal, which Bernardo had taken from the serial killer in the 1998 film Criminal Law. You dumb fuck. Why? <laughs> I've never even heard of that movie. What? I've never even heard of that no, movie. No, but I gotta watch it for sure. At the end of May, John Motile, an acquaintance, an acquaintance of the Smyrnas and Bernardo, that was his friends and the girl who had tried to report him before was their sister, reported Paul Bernardo as a possible murder suspect. In December 1992, the Center of Forensic Sciences finally began testing the DNA samples provided by Bernardo two years earlier. They never tested the ones that he voluntarily turned in because they thought he was cool. What on the, the fuck? Yeah, dude, police. It's every fucking, every time I hear of police, it's bullshit. On the 27th of December, he severely beat Carla on the limbs, head, and face with a flashlight, claiming that she had been in an automobile accident. The severely bruised Carla returned to work on the 4th of January, 1993. Her skeptical co-workers called her parents, and although they rescued her the following day by physically removing her from the house... Carla went back in, frantically searching for something. Her parents took her to St. Catherine's General Hospital, where she gave a statement to the NRP that she was battered by a spouse and filed charges against Paul Bernardo, which is a bad move. You know you're going to get implicated, like you're in a mess. He was arrested and later released on his own recognizance. A friend who found Bernardo's suicide note intervened, and Homolka moved in with relatives in Brampton. Should have done it because he got arrested 26 months after they tested his DNA sample. 26 whole months went by. All the murders happened in that time period. Fuck police, man. Toronto police were informed that it matched that of the Scarborough rapist and immediately placed him under 24-hour surveillance. They don't even arrest him. They just watch him. That's the same thing they do with uh, Gacy. Yeah, exactly. And he will... And he's like, hey, you know, he's not like Gacy. And like, hey, what's up, fellas? You want some donuts? You want to see my weird dick? Hey, I'm a clown also. Yeah, Look at my this. I got a magic trick, bitch. Look at this funny asshole right here. It's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the police are fucking stupid. So the Metro Toronto Sexual Assault Squad, invest- assault squad Investigators interviewed Homolka on February 9th, 1993. That's my birthday. Yeah, I know it is. Despite, well, you weren't born in 1993. Yeah, 88. Yeah. Despite hearing the, their suspicions about Bernardo, Homolka focused on his abuse of her. Later that night, she told her aunt that, and uncle that Bernardo was the Scarborough rapist, that she and Bernardo were involved in the rape and murder of Mahaffey and friends, and that the two rapes were recorded on videotape. That's what she told her aunt and uncle. Wow. So obviously she has no remote, like no idea, you know, that it's it, taboo shit. Like, she yeah. knows that she's in the same state as him, kind of. Like, she knows the difference between right and wrong, but she's going to do what benefits her the most. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Uh, the NRP reopened the investigation in Tammy Homolka's death. Two days later, Carla met with a Niagara Falls lawyer named George Walker, who sought legal immunity from Carla in exchange for her cooperation. She was also placed under 24-hour surveillance. The couple's name change was approved on February 13th, 1993. The next day, Walker met with Crown Criminal Law Office Director Murray Seagal. After Walker told Seagal about the videotapes of the rapes, 
Seagal advised him that due to Homoka's involvement in the crimes, full immunity was not going to be possible. Well, I mean, 1993, I mean, that's like right at the prime of Steven Seagal. Yeah. And uh, you got to believe a Seagal. Yeah, you know, if you got the name Seagal in 93, yeah, you got to hear that out. On February 17th, Metro Sexual Assault Squad and the Green Ribbon Task Force detectives arrested Bernardo on several charges and obtained a search warrant. Because his link to the murders was weak, the warrant was limited. No evidence which was <clears throat> no evidence which was not expected and documented in the warrant could be removed from the premises. Premises. And all videotapes found by police had to be viewed in the house. In other words, they couldn't take it to the police station. They couldn't use them in court. Wow. Damage had to be kept to a minimum. Police could not tear down walls looking for the videotapes. The search of the house, including updated warrants, lasted 71 days. And the only tape found by police had a brief segment of Homolka performing oral sex on Jane Doe. Wow. Now, Jane Doe was a sorry for it again a victim uh, so at, in between the first murder and right after the time that Carla they uh, the rape of Tammy an accidental murder of Tammy when they moved into their house all the fuck Paul did is complain about Tammy died not because she passed away and God rest her soul he was going to miss her but complained that he didn't have a virgin to have sex with anymore. A young girl that he had a virginity to have sex with. That was the plan. That he was going to keep her around as like a slave. Yeah. So Tammy. Not Tammy. That was the sister that died. <laughs> Carla. Working at the vet office. They had a new veterinarian assistant that came in. Like a front receptionist. Yeah. This fucking 16 year old girl. Uh, she found out she was a virgin. She looked up to Carla. Because she was like doing well. Yeah. Good looking. Well-dressed, cool, 20-something. Loved animals. Yeah. They got along great, and she just wanted to be her friend. So they would hang out, have girls' nights, and she did the same shit. Drugged her with the Halicon. What's that shit called? I'm sorry. Halicon. Halicon yeah. yeah. Drugged her with the Halicon uh, after they had been drinking all night. She passed out. They made a video of them raping her. She came to the next day and was, like, violently vomiting. Didn't die, didn't die from the ingestion. They, they did yeah. it the right way. Huffed it like you. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Accidentally. They kept the rag away from the face. Yeah, I love the fuck out of that shit. And <laughs> pardon me, I'm sorry. I got I got sick too when I did it. I barfed. Yeah. But I took like Yeah, it's a hard like drug. uh you know everybody talks about K holes and shit. Like yeah. they still have ketamine for animals. Yeah. Or at least they did. And the shit that we got was outdated. It was like from yeah. the eighties, but it oh was my like God. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean like you had like a little disc and you would cut it into into halves or what or quarters. And if you yeah. took a quarter it would be do good. And I took a half. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, nothing. I mean I'm big, a half should do good and I took a third and it fucking ripped me. But I was fucking huffing that health ain't shit beforehand and I was fucking gone. And I was oh, barfing yeah. and shitting Jesus all Christ. over myself. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm like I didn't die. Yeah, you are. I was like sixteen. So, so. she thought that her discomfort and throwing up was that was the first time she'd ever been drunk before. So she yeah. thought she just partied too hard and didn't even know that she had been raped all night. Just fucked up, you know. And uh, they had videotaped the whole thing. So all they had was Carla performing oral sex on her. And the girl had no idea of that. It's just her body was passed out. Yeah. So she was like, you know, she's nameless. She's a minor. So she's Jane Doe and the whole thing. On May 5th, Walker was informed that the government was offering Carla a plea bargain of 12 years, which she had one week to accept, accept 
If she declined, the government would charge her with two counts of first-degree murder, one count of second-degree murder, and other crimes. Walker, of course, accepted the offer, and Homolka later agreed to it. On May 14th, Carla's plea bargain was finalized, and she began giving statements to police investigators. She told police that Bernardo boasted that he had raped as many as 30 women, which is twice as many as police accepted, and he called him the happy rapist. Now, some super weird shit that had happened. Um, it was the need to protect Bernardo's right to a fair trial. A publication ban was imposed on Carla's preliminary inquiry, which is where they talked to her. The Crown had applied for the ban, which was imposed on July 5th by Francis Kovacs of the Ontario Court of Justice. Carla, through her lawyer, supported the ban. Bernardo's lawyers argued that he would be prejudged by the ban since Homolka had been portrayed as his victim. Four media outlets and one author also opposed the ban. Some lawyers argued that the rumors could damage the future trial process, not just his trial, but period, uh, and more than the publication of evidence. Public access to the Internet effectively nullified the court's order. You know, this is like important to talk about because it broke new ground. It's like now that you could just log on to the Internet in 1995 with shitty dial-up and find information yourself, it didn't really matter if the court said you couldn't talk about this. People could talk yeah. about things however they wanted to. It wasn't like the only source for hearing about shit was the local newspaper anymore. Yeah. So this is landmark shit in that they put a ban. Like, no one was supposed to hear about any of this shit, but it all came out online. Yeah. So everyone knew about it anyway. And they still reported on, reported on it because they didn't hear it from the banned source. They read it online. So the total loophole to the whole thing. And, and uh, you know, that basically would uh, change the law forever. Like, that's that's one crazy thing about this case is that they, they had to stop doing shit like that because it didn't matter. You know what I mean? Uh, so <clears throat> while this happened, while people started using the Internet and finding out about this shit, um, th th it was called an electronic ban break. Newspapers in Buffalo, Detroit, Washington, D.C., New York City, and the United Kingdom, as well as radio and television stations along the Canadian-U.S. the Canadian -US border reported details gleaned from Carla's trial. The syndicated series A Current Affair aired two programs on the crimes. Canadians brought copies of the Buffalo News across the border, prompting orders to the NRP to arrest all those with more than one copy at the border. Extra copies were confiscated. Copies of other newspapers, including the New York Times, were turned back at the border or not accepted by distributors in Ontario. Gordon Dom, a retired police officer who defied the publication ban by distributing details from foreign media, was convicted of two counts of conductive court. All groundbreaking media shit. Yeah. Like, they still didn't know enough about how the internet worked. They tried to keep fucking magazines and newspapers from coming in. Meanwhile, all the police officers and jurors are talking directly to people on the Internet. Bernardo was tried for the murders of French and Mahaffey in 1995. His trial included detailed testimony from Homolka and videotapes of the rapes. The trial, subject to a publication ban, what we just talked about, um, the thing about the ban was that did, that didn't also the Canadian band had not shit to do with publications from America. So the court was fucked because the information that leaked on the internet, all that shit from America could be admissible into court. Yeah. Nothing from Canada could, but anything from America could, they tried to keep it out, 
but there's no way to do that. Yeah. So it's not like it's illegal to have it. You know what I mean? That what they can like they can't make fucking public media. So you know he's fucked. Um, Carla only served to twelve years because she took the deal. Um, Bernardo. She she like didn't have to testify in this trial. She had her own separate trial. They went through everything. She got the maximum that she could get. Um, he was designated a dangerous offender. He was on September first, nineteen ninety five. He was convicted of a number of offenses. Most importantly, the two first degree murders and two aggravated assaults. Sentenced to life in prison without parole for at least twenty five years. And again, he was in, in Canada. The worst thing I guess you could get labeled as is a dangerous offender. So it wasn't likely. It's not likely that he'll ever get out. Uh, he was up for parole recently, but he got caught with a weapon in his bed this yeah. year. And so they, I don't, I could, I couldn't find what happened. With, I don't even think he's been up for trial on that yet. Like I think he has a whole separate trial. This year, huh? Yeah, that's weird. That's wild. I mean, it's not weird. No, it makes yeah. Sense, well, yeah. it's it's weird because we're talking about something like it's past tense, but it's yeah. still like current. Like, he, luckily, he's still in prison. It's just something that was like, hey, man, we should do this. And it was like last week. Yeah. You know? And then it's right. like, oh, fuck. Yeah. 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 I mean, you just, you brought this up as something to do. So, like. Yeah, it's weird. And you didn't know about that. No, I didn't know about Just that. your brain is catching on to the waves of the internet. <sighs> you better go down and see Macabre Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of rape, I don't know. Don't ever start a sentence like that. I just did. I know, but don't do it again. Hey, man. It's real, though. Okay. I witnessed. Kind of, well, I wouldn't say I witnessed it, but it was like, it's definitely like, a, it was like a drug scenario where it was like, man, I really need this meth or heroin or whatever, but there's a, there's a small trail in Hot Springs where we live at that kind of goes by a skate park, that area, and it's got a creek. And I straight was like walking it one day by myself and I could hear, and it was like two o'clock in the morning and I could hear like this dude, I could hear like sex noises and like, Oh God. But it was like two dudes and they were fucking. <laughs> oh no. And it was like two homeless guys just straight fucking. It was yeah. like an exchange for fucking drugs. Yeah. And, uh, and it was just weird. It was like the guy was hurting, but he was like trying to dirty talk to get it like the other guy to come real quick so he could get his drugs. It's weird. Weird, weird, weird. It smelled weird, real gross too. Oh, you could smell it. I could smell it, man, because oh, it was like over God. a bridge. Yeah, and they're all yeah. That smell wash. Do you know like uh, where the transportation depot is? Yeah. Okay, so because you used to live by it, yeah. But there's like that bridge where you cross over and it goes into underground hot springs. Yeah, where it's all hot and shit. Oh yeah, they were steam. fucking on a oh, slab of concrete no. right there. So steam oh. just coming up. Yeah, man, it was butt steam. Oh my god! Oh no, it was bad. That's it was like cabbage terrible. soup and fucking butt. <laughs> hey, well, closing it out, uh, the entire time he's been in prison, he's been segregated from other inmates because they want to kill him for sure. Yeah. I mean, you don't have criminals like this pop up in Canada. No. This is rare shit. So they want to kill him. Uh, you know, he's assaulted young women. He's hated. Uh, again, he got caught with a weapon, so he's not getting out of jail. Uh, he scored 35 out of 40 on the psychopathy checklist, which is a psychological assessment tool used to assess the presence of psychopathy in individuals. That makes him a clinical psychopath. And, you know, that wasn't even brought up. It, like, there was no way to get him out of this shit. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, it just yeah, it, yeah. It confirms what we know. Uh, some real wild shit is in November 2015, he self-published a book called A Mad World Order. It was a fictional book that was super graphic, super violent, 631 page ebook on Amazon. 
Uh, it only lasted until November 15th. It was an Amazon bestseller, but they quickly pulled that shit because of public outcry. Wow. I remember hearing about that. Like, now that okay. we went back and did this, I remember hearing about, like, a dude who had actually raped and murdered people, writing basically a fictionalized account of all that and, like, calling for people to do it, like, explaining how, like, you know, like, going way further than American Psychopath and, it's like, telling how to do it, why you should do it in, like, fictional terms. I mean, he's probably not a great author, but... was still fantasizing about it. Yeah, you know, huh. so he's in, he's in forever, most likely. Yeah, like, the yeah, weapons yeah. thing... You hope. I mean, you hope, because he's not getting better, you no. know? Uh, but that's it. Wild case. Ken and Barbie killers, the... Schoolgirl murders. Schoolgirl murders, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Paul and Carla fucking sucked. Yeah. Can't believe she only got 12 years. I'm glad he's gone. There's no... I mean, what's crazy is she got 12 and she's out. Like, what is she yeah, she's doing? out. What is she doing right now? Who the fuck knows, man? Probably... You don't recover. Probably changed her name, came to America. You don't recover from that. No, you wouldn't think so. I mean, she's not cool. (laughs) It's fucking crazy, man. Super crazy. It's like a fiction. (laughs) It's a work of fiction. Uh, American Psycho is a good book, but if you read it, fucking relax. You know what I mean? Yeah. Chill out. Don't take Get that. the fuck out Don't of go, hey, man, this is a manifesto, yeah. and then go do it. Fuck that, man. Hey, uh, shout out to all of our wonderful patrons, Matt Mess, Ryan Parker... Uh, I don't know, man. The lady. I don't know, man. Uh, you just said her name earlier. Something Lacey. Lacey Doyle. Lacey Doyle. Lacey Doyle. Yeah. Ash Rude. That was fucking rude. <laughs> yeah, <you heard> that. <laughs> Bobby Henderson. Ryan Paca. Paca. Ryan Paca up there. Uh, really, all of you guys, you've helped out tremendously again. Uh, listen, my fucking life's in turmoil right now. I don't yeah. know if I'm going to make it out. You'll make it out. Uh, I'm just saying, I'm forgetting words and names. We love all of you. Thank you for your support. Uh, thanks for the iTunes reviews. We're like two away from 100, which sounds like a small milestone. But for people listening to Metal, getting them to do a call to action is incredible. Hey, and if you're in Little Rock, I meant to say this up top because it's important. Next week, we got uh, Kyle Kinane at Vino's. Which is super important to sell out just to get more cool shit in the city. Like, if yeah. people like coming here, he came last year and it sold out. So, you know, you wanted to come back so we could keep having cool shit if you, uh, we can get it sold out. So, if you're not going to go, just tell somebody about it. You know, we still yeah. got a few tickets left to move. So, help us out with that. It's October. Come hang out. Yeah. Come shake hands. It's October 12th, 2018 at 8 p.m. At Vino's, uh, if you live in Tulsa, I'll shake your hand if you want to come see me and Kyle Kinane. At, uh, God damn it, Siloam, West Siloam Springs Cherokee Casino. That's where. Oh, okay. It's a giant room, so I'm sure that you can get tickets for that easily. Just look it up or shoot me a message and I'll help you find it. If I get comps then you listen to the podcast, I'll definitely comp you. But I don't know what the situation on that is, so, you know. So it'll hold you to it, basically. Well, hit me up about it and I'll ask, and if I can, you're in. Cool. You know, I assume, I mean, it's a casino. I don't know how all that shit works, yeah. but I would guess. I mean, it's like an 800-person room. So Saturday you're doing that? Yeah. That's Saturday and Sunday, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll see you out there. But if you live in Little Rock and you could just, like, repost the Kyle Kinane show, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, we just we'll both be there. I want to I mean, I hang out, you know? Yeah, let's, uh, we're going to, I'm going to the uh, Dead Bird album release show after that. Okay. At Whitewater. So We'll both go to that. Yeah, we'll be around, you know? 
Hell yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, I'm trying to play catch up. You know, my wife, fuck, I said she broke her leg. And last week I told you I'd be caught up this week. But no, she got some crazy fucking infection in her eye from the hospital and weakened immune system and might lose her fucking right yeah. eye. And she like literally can't get off the couch. It sucks for her. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've been fucking taking care of two kids, working a full time job and getting this shit done. So not complaining at all. I'm just saying like, it's hard. Uh, That's hard. I'm dude. trying to get shit together. <laughs> so don't hold me accountable to anything for a couple of weeks. And we'll be back with you next week, though, because yeah. we didn't miss this because we love you. Uh, I think it was a cool episode, right? Yeah, it was good, man. A uh, song. It is. Fuck. It you don't is. even remember? I don't, man. I know it's a... You said uh, Broken Hope, right? It's a Broken Hope song. And we got is. a Broken Hope song. All right. And I've got the name <laughs> of it. Give me the... Hold on one second. Yeah, right. okay, man. I'll just hang on. We got you know, hang. nothing to do. We'll just stand around and jiggle hang my Hang the fuck on. It is... Uh, we got man. Decimated... Genitalia. Oh yeah, great, perfect. <laughs> Broken Hope Decimated Genitalia is the song for this. Listen to that shit. We'll see you guys next week. Alright, we're out of here. Pow. Yeah.